Hi there, you're listening to Women in Audio, a podcast brought to you by professional audio magazine ProSound News Europe. I'm Tara Lepore, ProSound staff writer, and in each episode I'll be joined by ProSound editor Dan Gumbel to bring you interviews with some amazing women in the industry. Today's guest is Laura Lewis-Paul, the creative director of the Bristol-based record label Saffron Records, which as well as being a label, aims to get more women working in the music industry by running six-week all-female sound engineering, DJing and music production classes under the name Saffron for Sound. Laura spoke to us a little bit more about how this started out and how it's going, as well as some of the reasons why she believes there are fewer women working in the industry and, importantly, what can be done about it. I have to say that several minutes into this interview, there is some background noise for some building work that was happening outside of the office. Unfortunately, we weren't recording in a studio setting, so we're really sorry if it's slightly distracting. If you enjoy this, please do rate and review us. You can also follow us on Twitter at PSN Europe or visit our website, psneurope.com. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy it. So today we're joined by Laura Lewis-Paul, who is the creative director of Saffron Records. Hi, Laura. Hey. Would you like to just tell us a little bit about what Saffron Records is, what you do there, etc.? Cool. So, yeah, I'm Laura Lewis-Paul. I'm the creative director and founder of Saffron Records. Um, We're based in Bristol. Uh, We set up in 2015 through the Princess Trust Enterprise Scheme. Um, and uh, the label, so we've got, um, I guess, two different levels to what we do. Um, the first and initial one was, was the label side, so that's working with young women aged 18 to 30. Um, we work with the PRS uh, Foundation, they support our work, um, and we're talent development partners with them, along with other people like um, Urban Development and Brownswood uh, Future Bubblers. Um, And then we also have our education side, so um, I guess the crux of what we do and what we, how we want to support uh, women in the industry is actually through education. So we offer sound engineering, um, DJing and uh, music production for uh, young women age 18 to 30. Those are six week courses. Um, and then we've just started our inter-industry um, uh, sort of music-based, uh, uh, well, actually, for emerging artists to get into the music industry. So, um, yeah, very education-based at the same time as having a label. Okay, so what's your kind of background? Um, what, where did you begin and why? when did the moment come to launch the record label with this sort of female focus? Yeah. So I've got a big, uh, like the, my background is very focused around young people, working with young people creatively. So I've worked for um, companies like ITV Fixers, where you um, basically uh, show the good things that young people are doing in the world rather than just, you know, hoodies and whatever people want to see and want to stereotype young people as being um, and do creative projects with them. Um, I also... Um, launched a um, 
art centre based in Bristol and worked with, uh, again, young people. We ran, um, you know, fashion shows. We did uh, music production again, um, film, uh, yeah, lots of different sort of creative projects. Um, and so that's always been my passion. That's always been what I've wanted to do is to work with them creatively. Um, so for me, I was working for um, a charity and I'd set up a very small label that was uh, based within the charity and we went to Real World Studios and um, it was very, very male dominated. Very, like there was literally, I think, maybe two women out of about 17 guys and we had a group of um, our sort of steering group of young people that we were working with and it was you know quite equal in terms of them wanting to wanting to that they were interested in you know um, uh, working within the music industry and I asked the, the young girls um, how they felt about going into uh, a male uh, dominated uh, environment, work environment, and they were really, really positive and like, well, you know, we'll, we'll get noticed for, um, you know, our work because we're women and I sort of took a step back from it and uh, felt quite um, disheartened because I knew that that wasn't really going to be the case and that they were actually probably going to have to work ten times harder to um, sort of prove themselves in their, in their work and um, so for me, I'm also um, not very good at working for other people. Mm -hmm. um, I've, uh, my sort of school journey, I was quite a naughty kid, wasn't really interested in, um, yeah, being a good kid. <laughs> um, so I guess for me, I knew that I needed to set up something by myself and to run my own company. That was always something not necessarily that I've always wanted to do, but that I knew at that point that I needed to do. Um, so I had the sort of the small record label behind me that um, sort of hearing those girls say that and that was where the idea of Saffron sort of came out of and, um, and then I'd started doing lots of sort of research into the kind of um, inequalities within the music industry and um, watch something called Misrepresentation, which is a really hard-hitting um, sort of documentary about how women and young girls are seen in advertising. Um, right. So, yeah, those three together, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. What was the response like when you launched the label? Did you have, like, an immediate, um, you know, kind of uh, surge of people coming forward, yeah. young women wanting to get involved in that? Yeah, definitely. But I think that because it's quite scary doing something that is, um, you know, all women focused or, you know, focused towards one particular community because um, it always feels like there could be a bit of a backlash from then, you know, other communities that want to be involved in that. So it's quite scary putting that out initially. But one thing that Saffron's always um, had is a support from people from all you know different um, you know backgrounds genders um, every angle there's been a real great support and um, and I, 
I was thinking about why that might be, and I think it's because the, the way that we are, we, we're not very um, sort of aggressive or um, challenging in what we do. What we, the way that we do things is we just offer an alternative option. So, you know, we've got the kind of education side, so people are aware of, you know, that there are the kind of inequalities, but the way that we do things is to just positively engage in, you know, and in, 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 in in an alternative offer so um, and yeah we've always had lots of um, young women wanting to get involved which has been really great. I was going to ask that so when you first kind of launched the sound engineering and music production classes mm. was it something that took a couple like a few months or to kind of build up or mm. is it kind of word of mouth how did you yeah so with the so sorry that was that was more for the label and when we first launched rather than the music production and the, the sound engineering so we've got in terms of our music technology we've got um our djing our music production and our sound engineering djing classes sell out in like two literally two minutes so those are really really kind of um, popular. Um, do you think that's because it's... Uh, why do you think that is? So I feel like they're able to see their role models out there. I think that um, seeing female DJs is massively on the rise and so then that means that they're getting a following and people being like, well yeah, I can do that now too. And then you get further down the line and you go into music production and there's not quite as many that are um, sort of uh, visual that you can't see as many women in those areas and then sound engineering and sound engineering is our hardest to recruit for and I think from looking at the, the that kind of scale this is because you're not able to see women in that line of work you know in a recording studio you know that's behind closed doors so you're not able to be like oh yeah I know that there's that woman that works on that or I think it's a lot about seeing your role models and being able to access your role models that can then take you on that journey and take you on that that path as well. So you mentioned there that the uh, the engineering and production side of, uh, of the label is the one that's most difficult to to recruit for is that because um, from a younger age young women aren't, aren't exposed to the idea of being able to pursue a career that's, let's say, more technical, that it's more about um, DJing or performing, you know, those those positions where there are role models to aspire to, whereas when you're in the studio and you're on the other side of the desk, you're you're only made aware of those things from from a young age, from, from those formative years. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I do really feel like... Um, the education from sort of primary school age, we need to start educating um, uh, the boys and girls that actually they uh, they don't have a particular, I guess, like route or journey that they need to fulfil because those are the stereotypes that you know that people are projecting onto them. So I think um, you know we need to get away from the fact that girls play the piano and the violin and the boys play the drums and. You know, <clears throat> there was one um, young woman that we were doing a focus group with who she really wanted to learn the drums when she was at uh, secondary school and they had 10-minute um, slots, um, which they would give... Oh, no, sorry, 15-minute slots, and they would give 10 minutes to the boys and 5 minutes to the girls. 
So already from an early age in an educational setting, um, you know, that's that's already happening. So I think it's really important, yeah, for that early early stage learning to to happen for them. Um, and also with our with our DJing, you know, we've got a range of women from you know, sort of 18 through to 50 that come and each and every one of them have had one uh, experience which has been, you know, that they get really put off from learning and doing tech-based stuff because there's often been, you know, like my dad was always like, don't touch the needle, the needle's really like precious or, <laughs> so then that, that has always been a preventative for me because then I'm like, oh well, like I'm going to mess things up, so... And so most women that we speak to have had an experience like that as well, which I think is quite um, damaging to their progression because I think for guys it's always been, it can be quite a lot about that uh, sort of exploration and play and if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. It's not that it has to be this kind of, you know, perfect mix or perfect first recording, whereas I think when you're a woman uh, in that kind of uh, tech-based industry, you're continually having to prove prove yourself. And that's, yeah, I think that's where it can get quite draining, I guess. Mm. Um, I read this really interesting thing about um, kind of mentors and stuff in the industry and the idea that if there's a male engineer or something, he's more likely to see himself in like a young male Mm. than a woman and um, I can't remember it was some music professor from America who kind of said yeah, that yeah. so I think um, so at the Saffron music tech classes um, you're obviously trying to create this environment where women can kind of collaborate together mm. do you what sort of comments have you been getting out of it what have people been saying I think there's a lot of um, a lot of like with women learning amongst other women it's uh They've had really great experiences because they felt a lot more comfortable in asking those questions, not feeling um, silly for asking those questions. And it's just um, a very kind of open platform which allows for that, you know, I don't know, that exploration with one another. And again, that not taking, taking away that pressure of feeling like it has to be right or it has to be, you know, perfect. So it's been a really positive um you know, learning experience, I think, for a lot of the women. And uh, most, uh, like, on the whole, the students, are they there kind of just because they've always fancied it or are they seeking to do it in a professional kind of way? I think it's, um, I think it's often, it starts off as, uh, you know, just as a sort of, as a hobby. But I think, again, coming back from the education, like, I, I feel like, they haven't really known that this could be a career for them. There's so many women that will work on, you know, from the PR and the industry or, um, you know, doing the promotions or every sort of different angle. But to then go, ah, oh, actually, no, I could be the DJ that's up there. I could have, you know, my career as a sound engineer. I think that that feels um, like it's it's been quite distant so far. So I think it's about bringing that opportunity a bit closer to them so that they are realising that they can do that as a as a career um, or, you know, as a hobby if they want to. But So what we're really looking to do is to build in um, sort of progression routes for them. So, you know, if they want to just do it as a hobby, okay, how can we look at doing that and having, I don't know, um, 
like having monthly meetups where we discuss each other's music and things like that or if you want to do it in education we run um we run the courses from DBS, which is a music tech college and university. So then they've got that opportunity of being in that space already. And then what we want to do further is to look at then, okay, as a career, like how do you, how do we build those links with, um, you know, different partnerships and um, give those women that access so that they can, you know, do that as, as a job. And, you know, then they're kind of loaded with all of those skills and tools to take it in the, in the way, in the path that they want to. With confidence that they yeah, can do it. Yeah, yeah. So how does someone get involved in, in these classes? If, you, if there is a, if there's someone out there that's thinking, actually, I'd quite like to give this a go, you know, I'm thinking particularly on the engineering side of the mm. moment, what's the, what's the process? How do they get involved? So the sign-up process is very open, so we release them. So our next course is on the starting on the 30th of April. We've got uh, sound engineering and music production running at the moment. Um, so, yeah, on the 30th of April. So we'll release um, those um, usually just through sort of our Facebook socials, things like that. Um, and then I think also it's really important um, as part of my role is that I actually go out and talk to people as well. So go to um, youth organisations, go to colleges, things like that, so that people are aware. And also that on a kind of further uh, sort of diversity conversation, that it's um, that we're reaching lots of different communities as well at the same time because it can, again, even if it's you know, you're kind of at one level and you're like, yeah, okay, great, we're getting lots of women. Is it, are we accessing all of the women that we can do? No. So we need to then uh, work on outreach that, uh, our outreach a bit more so that then we can know that everyone's getting those same opportunities. And, you know, we have bursary we, on every course that we run, every course or every masterclass, we have two bursary places so that we know that money, you know, if money is an issue for somebody, that that's not going to be a preventative for them getting involved. That seems like it's quite a big issue as well, I think. is, mm -hmm. um, And that's not just in the studio, that's, I think, probably in all yeah. all creative uh, disciplines is the uh, is the class barrier. Yeah. There's, um, it, it's, it's that part of the message as well, trying to open this up to people of different backgrounds, yeah. different uh, cultural, social backgrounds, yeah. etc. That, that making making those communities aware that these things exist and yeah. that there are there are those opportunities that might otherwise seem uh, you know very difficult to to get into yeah definitely I think that that's a really big agenda for us um, and but you know with that it's a lot of it is to do with you know the money the equipment um, what you need um, to be able to produce or to do, be a sound engineer and it's again it's that access and I think with people, say if we're going from low income um, families, that's a big jump for them to realise their potential and the fact that they can, uh, you know, potentially have that as a career. So it's um, taking those steps with them so that they, you know, really understand that that is something that they can do. Um, my dream is to have, um, you know, studios that you know, Saffron Studios so that we can have women that can come and they can, um, you know, have a session there or, you know, it's run by women and that's kind of five year, five year mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. Have you seen any changes or, or developments um, 
just in the in the types of people and the different types of background that are coming into Saffron, whether it is as performers or DJs or, or whatever, is there is there a kind of growing movement and awareness that is being spread at the mm-hmm. moment that, that there are opportunities out there for people that are from lower income backgrounds yeah. or families? Um, there is, but I would say that that's so we're this we're in our third year now and I don't think that that had been happening for maybe the first couple of years because I don't know you're just you're so in it aren't you and you're kind of setting things up and you need uh, you know you need to take a step back and reflect on how you are how and who you are engaging with so um, we've taken that step back and actually um, it takes a lot more effort than just putting it on your socials to you know to engage with those different communities and it's a lot more sort of work so we're doing a course with the Prince's Trust um, that's a free week-long course um, again for people on low income so I think it's as well as sort of doing the outreach it's building those links and partnerships with other organizations that are working with those people as well so that then they can I guess be that 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 trust um, sort of not barrier the, the opposite barrier uh, uh, access yes. so that they can get you know so that they can get into um, yeah get those opportunities as well so um, obviously you're based in Bristol um, and I guess in London there's kind of I'm not sure but I'm sure there's kind of like more opportunities for this sort of thing in London so how like how important is it for things for opportunities to be outside of a capital and mm. how are you kind of yeah, you know, because obviously it's very kind of based in London. A lot of the music yeah. industry, or is it? Or? Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Um, I mean, I I am really community focused. Like, I love community so much. Like, so even in my like outside life, it's all about like I've moved all all of my family members from London to Bristol. Like, they're now <laughs> they're now here. They're with me. You know, we support one another. Um, you know, on our street, it's about building those relationships the neighbours so I think community is really really important and essential for these movements to grow and for them to progress um, so it's really important for, for Saffron to be in Bristol to start with um, and I feel like Bristol is a, it's, it's a very accepting place it's a very um, you know, kind of anti-capitalist, so people are very supportive of small independent organisations that are setting up and, um, you know, making that, that social change and that social movement. So, um, yes, it, it's based in Bristol, um, and I think that there are, there's definite crossovers between London and Bristol, and I think that, um, I don't know, London and Bristol feel quite combined to me in terms of, um, you know who's here the the it feels like that gap is that bit smaller also we've got like a um, rail a new high-speed rail coming which is going like an hour and 15 minutes or something so it feels yeah it feels very close but there's always been I mean this might maybe this doesn't extend to what's happening now but I'm thinking historically over the last sort of 20 years or so that there had always been that sense of a music community in Bristol yeah. with the whole trip hop thing in the nineties yeah. with your you know tricky massive attack, yeah. Portishead, all that kind of 
uh, stuff that was happening at the time, and it, it did feel like it was this bubble outside mm. of places like London or Manchester mm. or Liverpool where the kind of rock and roll stuff was going on. It felt like this little pocket of creativity where there was a lot of collaboration yeah. um, and a, a combined kind of will to to do something different yeah. and, and there was a signature to, to the community. So, yeah. I mean, is that something that, I mean, first of all, is that something that you, you would agree with and secondly, is that something that still exists in Bristol or are we thinking too much here about what's, what's gone by? Um, I mean, I think that there is, because Bristol is such a creative bubble in terms of every uh, sort of creative process and not just music in terms of fashion, in terms of, um, you know, the arts and creative industry and tech industry. So there is, there's a lot going on there. Um, I feel like, because, uh, you know, Tricky released a video the other day that was really talking about the, the industry and the music that's in Bristol. Um, and I guess he was saying that there's more of a hype there than, um, than you know, people think. And, uh, but there's not, I think there's a very different hype um, there, so there's a very. It feels like there's a very different movement that happens, and there's and that feels very sort of gradual. So, at the moment, I think our jazz scene, our jazz scene is really thriving, and you know we've got there's yeah, so like a jam that you can go to every night. And um, ha however, I un I also understand what Tricky was saying in terms of the industry. So, the industry, I think, what we need to do is to build more of a robust industry so that actually our artists can stay in Bristol because if you're an artist and you're you know just about to get to that next level then you're like okay so where do I go like there's not necessarily one company that you can go to and you can be like yeah here's my music what can we do together most artists do move to London or have a connection in London and that's where their kind of career path um, goes so I think because you've got the trickies, you've got the Portis heads, um, and I think what would or could have been really important is actually for there to be that that mentoring or that you know that supporting the next generation of artists that are coming up. So I think that that's that's what's needed. Is is there to be um, yeah I guess that support from those level artists so that then they're you know they don't need to kind of make the same mistakes that they did or you know you can just choose different options so are there any has there been any interest from uh maybe more established uh artists from bristol that have that have wanted to get involved or that you've reached out to or um, spoken to about trying to get involved in this and, and spread the word yeah i guess um, maybe not quite on that level, so not your kind of massive attacks and port his heads and things like that, but um, Eva Lazarus, she's a um, local artist who's really, really sort of supportive of our work. Um, and then we've got a few sort of masterclasses and things like that that are coming up in the future with, um, don't know if I can say that, uh, but yeah, so of, um, yeah, with some, with some other artists Okay, yeah. and and who are some of the, or have there been any artists that have came out of the label recently that you can tell us about that that you 
are tipping for, for big things this year? Mm. Yeah, there's an artist that we're working with actually um, called China Bowls, and again, uh, from that sort of jazz, uh, the jazz scene, so she's kind of neo-soul, um, jazz-focused, she's uh, got a release coming up with her quite soon. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's some quite big things happening for her this year, and um, I think with our work with the PRS, like that really enables um, our artists to have that platform as well, so that you know there is that ease for those connections in London and um, and other industry people for them to be able to work with as well. Going back to the sort of um young women that you've worked with on sound engineering and that you've seen through the courses what what advice say for girls that don't live in bristol perhaps and can't come mm. to these fantastic classes what advice would you give to sort of like an 18 year old who was you know interested in the techie side of music mm. and where what what could be their first steps yeah i guess um i mean for me i feel like the conversation at the moment around sort of music and um, mu music industry and music tech um, and women being involved in that. I think that that conversation is quite big and significant at the moment. So it feels like a really good time to make those steps and to um, you know find those organisations because I'm sure there will be in London there will be similar organisations. I know a lot of sort of DJ focused ones like rhythm sister or there's a great global network um called she said so um which are yeah really kind of pioneering and uh you know they've got great mentoring um sort of services and things like that so i am um, yeah i might have a look into some more things and see if there is something else as well for people to kind of get into and in terms of like the home studio setups and stuff that's obviously opened the whole uh, kind of job up to a lot more people I guess because mm. people can teach themselves stuff yeah yeah um, and online like I think online is really great there's a lot of um, you know you can learn yeah so much online nowadays that yeah really use that to your advantage as well um, you kind of already briefly touched on it but um, what stuff have you got lined up for the rest of the year um, so we've got our six-week courses, so those are our uh, sound engineering and music production. We've got our mixed night courses and showcases. Um, so we've got sort of four, four a year we run of all of those. Um, then we've got our inter-industry um, masterclasses, so they're two-hour sessions. So we had our first one last night. Um, that was on PR and journalism. We've got ones coming up in uh, booking agents, um, promoters, labels, so that people are really kind of able to access the, the industry in Bristol. Um, and then we've got some, so what we're doing is we partner with um, you know, like Team Love, uh, who are promoters and festival organisers in Bristol. Um, and we'll be running some masks, so some kind of one-off specialist masterclasses with some of the artists that they bring down for their um, festivals and then we do masterclasses with them after that. And then we've got some releases and also, uh, I feel like there's something else, an Our Prince Trust course. Um, cool, sounds cool. great. Yeah. <laughs> cool, well thanks for coming in. Love to us. Thank you um, so much. Yeah, Thank you. Perfect.